0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries, and unbelieversries. Today's bunch of stories are all called urban legends and urban legends are essentially stories which are modern-day folk tales these are stories that are passed from people to people they're either scary they're sometimes humorous and usually they're some form of a cautionary tale these are the stories that people tell each other by convincing the other person that these are a hundred percent true Ye sach me hua and this usually happens to a friend of a friend. That's the kind of story that we're talking about today. So these are urban legends, and here we go. This story starts with a couple they're a young couple and they're in a car and they're driving down this long isolated stretch of a highway now as they're driving suddenly the car starts slowing down and comes to a stop on the side of the highway initially the girl thinks that the guy is playing games he's joking around she looks at him and says okay you know stop kidding around and start the car. But as she looks at his face, it's a very tense, serious look on his face and he says, No, I've not done anything. I think we're out of fuel. Now the two of them are stuck in this car on the side of this isolated highway. As they think of what to do next, the boy looks into the distance and he sees that there is a light. Now this light seems to be coming from some sort of a building. He tells the girl, stay in the car, I'm going to go to that building and look for help. He says, lock the doors and no matter what happens, do not open it and do not draw attention to yourself. The girl wants to accompany him but he insists on going alone. He gets out of the car and she watches him recede into the darkness. Now she's in this car and it's unbelievably quiet. She locks all the doors and tries to make herself as small as possible. She looks outside the window and she can see the dark shapes of the trees and the fields. They look menacing in the darkness. All that can be heard is silence. As time passes by, every minute seems to stretch on and on, like almost to an hour. And after a while, suddenly, she hears something. It's a noise that's coming from the roof of the car. The noise is a steady, rhythmic thumping. Thump, thump, thump. The hairs on her body stand up. She doesn't know what's making this noise. She becomes smaller in her seat, but the noise persists. It comes periodically, rhythmically, Inevitably, thump, thump, thump. She's hoping and praying that the boy returns. She's hoping and praying that whatever is making this noise stops, but the noise keeps coming. Then, after what seems like another eternity, suddenly she sees lights in the rear view mirror. These lights are coming from a car, and they are the lights of the police. It's a police car that's coming from behind. Her heart suddenly leaps up. She's like, I'm going to be saved. The police car starts approaching the car she's in, slows down, goes a little bit ahead and stops. Then a cop comes out with a megaphone and he's issuing instructions to her. He says, ma'am, get out of the car and walk toward me. But do not turn around. I repeat, do not turn around. With her heart pounding, she gets out of the car and starts making her way to the cop. Now she knows she's been told not to turn around, but the sound keeps coming and curiosity gets the better of her. So slowly. She turns behind to look and what she sees chills her. She sees a man on the roof of the car banging the severed head of her boyfriend on the roof. That's the sound she was hearing. The man turned out to be a lunatic who had escaped from an asylum. The asylum was the same building that her boyfriend had seen. This is an urban legend called the Dead Boyfriend. It's a very common, popular urban legend that has spread across the world and every part of the world has its own twist on this kind of story. In fact, the place where I heard this story first was from Malaysia, where in Malaysia there's a highway called the Karak Highway and They had a version of the story, but instead of a lunatic, they had some kind of demon spirit that was banging the boyfriend's head on the roof of the car. Unfortunately for the boyfriend, it's always his head that is being banged on the roof of this car. For this story, we are now in Devon, England. In Devon, there is a cottage and there's an old lady who lives in this cottage. Now, the cottage is on the edge of the Moors. The moors are these big, large flatlands which have grass on them. However, the ground is not very fertile and firm. It's very peaty and boggy. This lady lives in this house on the moors and she's been living there for a very long time, about 20 odd years. Her husband had passed away and she had lived most of her life there alone. She has very few pastimes and some of them include walking along the moors and enjoying nature. But apart from that, her absolute biggest and most favorite pastime was making jigsaw puzzles she loved doing this now she lives uh, in a slightly remote area and the nearest town was a bus ride away and every time she would take the bus and go into town she would always make it a point to get a huge stack of jigsaw puzzles which she would solve one every night she would sit at her kitchen table beside the fire and put these puzzles together it Gave her joy and, and pleasure, and she did this every night before going to bed. One winter, it snowed very heavily, and because it snowed heavily, the road was blocked. The bus couldn't operate, and eventually, this lady runs out of jigsaw puzzles. She tries to stretch out the ones she has as much as possible, but eventually, that night comes when she puts the last piece of the last puzzle. And when she's done with it, she sighs and she knows that she's out of her supply. She gets up from the kitchen table and starts climbing the stairs to go to bed. As she's climbing these stairs, suddenly she hears a sound from behind her. It's a thud. She turns around. She sees that the sound was coming from the door. And she sees what's happened is that someone has dropped a package through the letterbox of her door. It's a parcel that's covered in a brown paper. She walks down the stairs, picks up this parcel, shakes it. It's got loose pieces in it. She doesn't know what it is. She opens the door to see who's left this. And whichever way she looks, there is only darkness. Whoever has dropped this parcel is gone. She shuts the door and opens this brown paper. And she sees that there's a box. Inside the box, she finds there's a puzzle. There are several puzzle pieces. But what's curious about this is that she doesn't have a reference image for this puzzle. Now she's extremely creeped out. She doesn't know who has dropped this box into her house. She doesn't know why they've done it, she wasn't expecting anybody and she certainly wasn't expecting a puzzle. But now that it's here, her curiosity gets the better of her. She takes the puzzle to the kitchen table and lays out the pieces and starts putting it together. As the picture starts forming on the puzzle, she can't believe it. A shiver runs down her spine. Because she sees that the picture that's forming is off the inside of her house. She can see her mental piece. She can see the picture of her dead husband. She can see the crockery in the kitchen. But she can't believe what she's looking at. She feels like she's half dreaming, half awake. And she keeps putting these pieces. As she does, she sees that in the puzzle, she can see an image herself sitting at the kitchen table working on a puzzle now there's only a few pieces left and they all belong to the window now as she puts them in chillingly she finds that in the puzzle there is a man standing outside the window looking at her her hands are trembling as she picks up the last piece and snaps it into place. And with that, she finds out that the man outside the window has a knife. The last thing she hears is the window of her house being pushed open. I love this story. It is creepy, scary, and it's got a great ending but it also raises so many questions such as how much did this old lady love jigsaw puzzles that she would make it even if she received it from an anonymous person in the middle of the night and the image it was forming was the creepiest image of her own house with her making puzzles i love the commitment i also like the commitment from the killer who makes elaborate jigsaw puzzles of his victims before doing them in 10 on 10. (laughs) <laughs> on both counts, our next story takes place in Hyderabad and it starts with a thief. This thief has been scoping out a house for a very long time and finally one night he decides that the time is right to strike. He makes his way stealthily up to the house, finds an entry and steals into this house. Now the house is extremely dark, it's extremely quiet but the thing that's extremely odd is that as soon as the thief enters he's struck by this awful smell. It's not even a smell, it's a stench. The thief has spent a lot of time scoping this place out and having made this break-in, he wants to finish the job. He makes his way through the silent house and eventually goes up to a bedroom and as he enters this bedroom, he suddenly sees where this stench is coming from. Because in this bedroom, he sees the dead bodies of three people he was expecting a whole lot of things once he had broken in but he was not expecting this seeing them suddenly makes him extremely scared he feels like he's trapped something awful is about to happen in this house he starts screaming wildly now as he does the neighbors wake up because of the screaming and call the cops the cops immediately arrive and nab this thief the thief tells them about the three bodies in the house the three bodies belonged to a mother and her two daughters they too had a very strange story now originally there were four people in this family there was the father the mother and the two daughters at some point the father had left the family And for several years, he hadn't reappeared. It was just the mother and the two daughters who would live in this house alone. And according to the neighbors, they were very, very odd. The neighbors would often see the mother and the two daughters wandering around the house at midnight with candles. The daughters were very strange. And sometimes they would also see that there were bottles that were placed in the balcony with a fluid in them a liquid some people thought that liquid was blood in addition the family had been extremely antisocial they actively avoided people and if you tried to interact with them they even got hostile now a post-mortem was carried out on the bodies and it revealed that they had been dead for six months now this was news to the neighbors because they had seen this family over the last six months. This story is a real, supposedly a real story uh, from Hyderabad. Now, the reason I don't want to tell you where it's from specifically is because it's become a nuisance in Hyderabad. Um, If you're from Hyderabad, you probably know uh, the place that I'm talking about. Uh, Do not put it in the comments because the neighbors of this place are actually extremely upset with the fact that A lot of young folks land up at this house to prove how brave they are. Uh, The cops have been called multiple times and they say things like, you know, these are actually just rumors that are being spread on YouTube channels. (laughs) So (laughs) avoid going to this place if you're from Hyderabad. My next story begins in this small town in America. And in this small town, one day, an old lady appears. Now, uh, she appears and sets up a tent at the edge of town. She's a strange person who no one knows where she's come from, and she's wearing these strange and outlandish clothes. And she set up this tent and she claims that she's a psychic, and she can look into the future and reveal your future to you. A lot of the towns folk, they rubbish her claims and they think she's up to no good. But there are five girls, five friends who think it'll be pretty fun as an experience to go and have their futures told to them. They do not believe in it, but they do think it would still make for an interesting experience. So the five girls land up at this tent at the edge of town and one by one, they go inside And when the first girl goes in and she comes back out, all the other girls are extremely curious. They ask her, you know, what happened? What was it like? And this girl tells them that the old lady was eerily accurate. She knew things about her family that she shouldn't really know. Nobody should know outside the family. She had even told her a bit about her future. The girls go in one by one and each of them comes out And each of them says the same thing. They say that this old lady is extremely prescient. Like she knows things about them that there's no way that she would know. And the old lady always tells them something that they would like to know about the future. They find out about their love lives, about their careers, their jobs, things that they want to find out. Finally, it's the turn of the last girl. She enters the tent. As she enters the tent, she sees that it's very dimly lit. There's this musty smell in the air. And she sees that this old lady is seated at a table. On the table, there are several cards that are laying face down. The old lady looks up, sees her and gestures for her to sit opposite her. The girl takes a seat and then the old lady gestures for her to pick up a card. The girl chooses a card and the lady flips it. As she looks at the card suddenly a look of worry passes over the old lady's face. She looks at the card and then looks back at the girl and she asks her a question. She says, have you lost a loved one recently? The girl shakes her head. She says, no I haven't. The old lady then says, do you mind if I look at your palm? The girl extends her hand and the lady holds her palm in a vice-like grip, she's studying her hand and then she takes a finger and runs it along the lines on her palm. The girl can feel the sharp edge of the nail digging into her skin. And then the lady says, oh, I can see your future now, my dear, it's all too clear. She lets go of her hand and then she reaches under her table and pulls out an envelope. And she says here. Now, you can choose to read it here, or you can read it at home. Now, the girl is extremely weirded out by this whole experience, and she snatches at the envelope, and she decides that she's not going to open it. She just wants to get home. She gets out of the tent. Her friends eagerly are waiting, and they ask her, What happened? What did she tell you? The girl downplays it. She says, It was nice, she did know some things, but I'm not very convinced. I do not believe. She doesn't tell her friends about the envelope. The friends start going home. The girl now gets into her car and tosses the envelope into the passenger side. She puts her seatbelt on and starts driving. Now as she is about to merge onto the main road, her thoughts are still in that tent. Her thoughts are still wrapped up in the contents of that envelope. She's wondering what's in it. And as she's distracted, and she's about to turn onto this main road, suddenly, a lorry screams past her. It startles her. Suddenly, she comes back to the present. Her mind focuses again. She shakes her head, and she says, I shouldn't be thinking about this envelope right now. I need to focus on the road. So she turns onto the main road and keeps driving. Now, a little time passes. And by and by, her mind again starts wandering back to the contents of the envelope. She keeps stealing glances at it as it sits there in the passenger seat. She's overcome with this overwhelming curiosity to know what's inside. She starts reaching down to pick it up. She wants to tear it open right now and see what's inside. But as she's reaching towards it, she loses control of the car. The car starts drifting. It slowly crosses that white line that separates the two lanes and then it crosses onto the wrong way. A car that's coming the opposite direction slams into her car and sends it spinning into the next lane where an onrushing truck bangs into her car. It's an awful scene. The police and the firefighters are called. It's such a bad accident that they have to cut the car open to get her out. But what they get out is not a person. She's been smashed to a pulp. She died on impact. Inside the car, the rescuers find a blood-stained envelope. They pick it up and they hand it to the family. The family choose to open it, inside this envelope, they find a card and on that card is written, you have no future. There's a man who lives with his mother. The father had passed away and his mother too is desperately ill. She's got an illness which is deteriorating slowly. This man has decided to stay with his mother and take care of her. As the days go by, her condition worsens. And one day, he wakes up in the morning and finds that his mother is unresponsive. She's got a pulse, she's breathing, but she's not waking up. Now, frantic and panicking, the man picks up the phone and calls a hospital and begs them to send an ambulance as fast as they possibly can. Now this hospital is about 20 minutes away from his house and he is happy to see that within 15 minutes an ambulance has arrived at his house. The ambulance now stops in the compound, three people get out of it and rush to his house. The head orderly asks him who the patient is. He directs them into the room where his mother is laying unconscious. The head orderly gestures for the two uh, attendants to quickly take this patient into the ambulance. The two men put her onto a stretcher and they rush her out. And the son is distraught. He keeps asking the head orderly what's going to happen. Eventually, the orderly calms him down puts his hand on his shoulder and tells him don't do anything, everything will be fine he rushes down with these orderlies and he watches as they put his mother into the ambulance, he is about to get in himself when the head orderly tells him, sir, there is no place you leave the car and follow us do you know the address of the hospital? the man says Haan. So he says you go quickly they shut the door of the ambulance and the ambulance heads out. Now the man rushes back up to his house, takes his car keys, comes back down, gets in his car and rushes the car out of the building. Now as he's exiting the gates, he sees an ambulance enter. He stops the ambulance and asks them where they are going. The ambulance gives him his address. He cross-questions them and finds out that this ambulance, the second one, is from the hospital. And suddenly, everything starts making sense. The fact that the first ambulance was a little too small, that when they had opened the doors and put his mother inside, he hadn't seen a single piece of medical equipment. It turned out that there were a gang of organ harvesters who had tapped the phones of different hospitals and would land up at the houses of patients before the actual ambulance from the hospital, turning these patients into victims. So those are the stories from this episode. I hope you enjoyed them. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. If there are other stories that you would like me to cover, uh, then do leave them in the comment section below. Also, by the way, uh, if you know of urban legends from your area, then definitely leave them in the comment section. Let me know what they are very curious to find out. By the way, one last thing, uh, every single episode of Secondhand Stories is shot in front of a live audience. If you too would like to be a part of these live recordings, then all you have to do is become a member of the channel. That's about it. Until next time, stay safe and bye-bye.